Patrice Martinez and all of her children this morning. I'd like to invite her and her youngest daughter, Hope. accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You have? Can you cover your nose? For in response to your faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism and raised in his Awesome. It is. Amari, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Well, in response to your faith and in your for your obedience in Him, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
buried with him in baptism, and raised with him in newness of life. Amen. Proud of you. Erica. <laughs> Hope's like, your turn. <laughs> Erica, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Well, in response to your obedience in Christ and your proclamation of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death and resurrected in him in newness of life. Amen. God bless you Amen. Let's continue worshiping.
Jesus 
Am I 
I want to hear these claps fill this room with praise. Come on.
those voices. commission Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age I was reminded of this because of both the five baptisms that we were able to celebrate in just a little bit earlier. Uh, and also, uh, this morning we have the opportunity uh, to lay hands on one of our families, the, the Fell family, Peter, Katie, Ellie, Anna, Rennie, and Penny. Uh, they have been with us for almost two years now, uh, and, and they were believers, they were followers of Jesus Christ before they came to New Covenant Church. And uh, we have had the honor and privilege of walking along with brothers and sisters of Christ uh, for these almost two years. And, and from the very beginning of New Covenant Church, God gave us a word that people would come and, and be with us and then be sent. And, and the Great Commission says we're to go. We're to go. You are to go to your family. You are to go to your place of business. You are to go to, your, uh, to the grocery store, uh, to your children, to your spouse to your friends, to your uh, external family, and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to be obedient in baptism. If you've uh, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but have never been baptized, I encourage you uh, to come talk to one of our ministry teams at the end of this service. Talk to myself or Pastor Darrell. We would love to walk with you in obedience and baptism. And the Fell family, y'all can come up now, and I'd also like to invite the elders uh, forward to lay hands on them. They are going to Germany. Peter serves the United States in our in, in armed services, and, and we're uh, thankful for his service and his family service and know um, that it's a calling for the whole family and for the girls uh, to get to get to move. And are y'all going to be with in the same place that the sergeants are or different? Close, okay. So driving distance, okay, yeah, so the... the the Tim and Marissa Sargent recently went to Germany as well, so so that's amazing that God's sending uh, so many to that area. But we want to lay hands on you this morning and just send y'all with the love of God and blessing of God uh, on, on what you're about to do, but also the rest of your days and your family's days. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Peter and Katie and the girls. Lord, I thank you for the calling on their family and their life. I thank you that uh, they have declared that as for their family, they will serve you. 
Lord, and you, uh, it is in your plan, your desire to send them to Germany, Lord. And we believe that you have a plan and a purpose. And that plan and purpose is not just for Peter. It's for Katie and their girls as well. It's for the whole family, Lord. You have a plan and a purpose, Lord. They will all build relationships and, and uh, walk with you in, in miraculous ways, Lord. And we pray uh, the blessing in numbers over them, that the Lord will bless you and keep you. The Lord will make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord will lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, we thank you uh, for uh, the time that we were able to get to know them and walk with them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you that they are no less part of the body uh, when they're in Germany than they are today. Lord, and we will pray for them and lift them up and glorify the work that you will do in and through them. God bless them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. first time visiting with us in person or online, welcome. We're so glad you've decided to worship with us today. At New Covenant, we invite all people in the communities where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. You can learn more about NCC and become part of our church family or join a volunteer team by going through our Connect class online or by attending one of our in-person upcoming classes. If you would like to bless what God is doing through the ministries at NCC with your tithes and offerings, you can use the offering boxes or give online at newcovenantlampasses.com. If you have any questions about what's going on at NCC or want more information on how to get connected, please stop by the hub desk after the service. Again, we are so glad you're here with us this morning. Now let's open and prepare our hearts for the word. Well, good morning. <clears throat> Glad you're here. I trust that you who are here this morning, those who are watching online, you have chosen to be here. You want to be here. Well, maybe not everybody. <clears throat> but uh, I trust that you're here because you want to know and experience God and even hear something from Him personally. At New Covenant Church, you're going to hear a lot, hear us talking about knowing, hearing, and responding. And uh, I want to talk this morning and over the next three weeks about just that, responding. You see, it's in the response that gets the truth of who God is and what He's saying down to the living level of our lives. So we're calling this series Responsibility. Responsibility. Now, we've all heard the term term of responsibility or to be responsible and, and we can actually say in our culture today nobody really wants to be held responsible we want we'd rather blame somebody else for it and make excuses for ourselves but but that's not exactly how I'm using the word the definition of responsibility is to have the capacity and freedom for moral decisions and therefore be accountable God created us response-able. God the Creator designed the creature man to be a personal choosing creature 
And in doing so, God self-limited his unlimited sovereign activity to correspond with the choices that man might make to depend on him in a personal faith-love relationship. Not only are we response-able, but we're free to choose. Responsibility, the, the, response, the ability to respond, the ability to choose, the freedom of choice is the greatest blessing God has given to mankind and the greatest danger. Now, I want to talk this morning about the power of choices. Choices. Every single day, our lives are made up of choices about everything. We choose what time we'll get up or if we will get up what we'll eat and what we'll wear, where we'll go and what we'll do. Constantly, life is a matter of choices. We are right now living in the reality of our choices. You've chosen to be here. You're living in the consequences or the blessings of your choices, but also your current choices are the most likely predictor of your future practices. If you want to improve your life, improve how you make choices. Every turn in life is an opportunity to make a right choice. The Bible, from beginning to end, is a book of choices. The choice in the Garden of Eden to eat the forbidden fruit to the choice at the end of Revelation to say, even so, come Lord Jesus. I want to use two passages that literally have the, the word choose in them this morning. And, and I, I pray that God will speak to our hearts. Deuteronomy 30 verses 19 and 20. Moses has led the people to the edge of the promised land. And he's rehearsing. He's not going in. But he's reminding them of all that God has done over the last 40 years and then he says in verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Did you see it? Choose life. You can choose life. You can choose blessing. You can choose to love the Lord your God. You can choose to obey his voice. You can choose to cling to him. You can choose him, for he is your life and the length of your days. Choose life, Moses said. The reality of the story is Moses did, but they didn't. Joshua, some decades later, they've gone through the Jordan. They're in the promised land. They've driven out some of the, uh, some of the enemy or those who possess the land. And Joshua has come now at the end of his days. And he's reminding them in Joshua chapter 24 all that God has done for them, all that he's, the blessings and all that. And in verse 14, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him, 
in sincerity and truth and put away the gods of your, which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil or unreasonable or no benefit to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua did. Joshua continued it. In fact, he just a little while later at 110 goes to be with the Lord, sleeps with his fathers. But they didn't. There's, there's a reason for this. There's a, there is a first choice, and that's what I'm, I'm, I want to speak to you this morning about. The first choice, uh, the first choice is a God choice. And that God choice is key to and empowers all the other choices. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, the first law, the commandment that God gave Moses on Sinai, he says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. The New Testament equivalent of that, Jesus says, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You must choose to respond to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ. You must choose to respond, to believe, to receive Jesus. God gave you the responsibility, the freedom to choose. But if you don't choose first Him... Every other choice will be tainted, misdirected, deceptive, and ultimately destructive. It will not lead to life, but it literally will lead to captivity and bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. It's a foundational to choosing right. And when we think of having no other gods before him, we often think of a hierarchy. Having God always in first place. He's tops. He's first on the list. But that's not the thought in that command. He wasn't saying, no other gods in front of me. He was saying, no other gods but me. Just me. You see, God's not sitting at the top of an organizational flow chart of God's. He's not waiting to be elected president of your organized life. He's God and all other gods are man-made and false. God is not commanding this because he's insecure. But because it is the truth and the only hope of mankind. He is creator. That means everything else is created. He's the one who designed it, who owns it, and operates it. That means that he's the only one who knows how it really works. He's the only God who can help us, direct us, and save us, and satisfy us. And I can hear somebody of these, especially in our culture, well, preacher, our problem's not that people have many gods. They don't have any God. The truth is, we probably have more false gods than they ever did. 
We live for them. We give them our worship, our love, our praise, and honor far more than we realize. We're so accustomed to them, our gods, that we don't even recognize that we're choosing to serve them. What gods, you might say? What, what's false gods? Anything you love, trust, or live for other than the creator God is a false god. Anything more fundamental to your well-being, your meaning in life, and your identity is a false god. Whatever you look at and say, if I have that or become that, then I'll feel like my life has meaning and then I'll know that I have value, then I'll feel significant and secure. Now, I'm going to read something to you because I don't want to get in trouble. I want, I want him to get in trouble. It's Kyle Eidelman wrote God's at War, and he wrote this, and, 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 and it just kind of wakes us up to what we really, who we really trust. He says this, Instead of looking to God as a source of comfort, we turn to food and mindless entertainment. Instead of looking to God as our source of significance, we turn to our careers and our accomplishments. Instead of looking to God as our source of security, we look to money and our investments. Instead of looking to God as our source of joy, we look to our relationships and pleasures. Instead of looking to God as our source of hope, we look to politicians and legislation. Instead of looking to God as our source of truth, we look to popular opinion and academic consensus. Do I need to go on? I could hold up my cell phone about who we really depend on, what we really worship, serve. Joshua in chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 again, it seemed like when he said, and this is why I'm bringing it up, because it seemed like he said there's a multiple choice of God's. He said, if it seems evil to you or for no benefit for you to serve God, then choose who you'll serve. Gods of your fathers, gods of your past in Egypt, gods of their present culture, the Amorites, or the God who redeemed, delivered, and provides you for you. You know, it's so easy. Listen to me, whether you realize that there's this law of influence, there's law of exposure. The law of exposure. You don't even realize how much you carry into your life what you learned at home. It's just the law of exposure. And I guarantee you, you can get things at home that God never intended. It's not God's best way. It's good, maybe. And you had a great livelihood. But how many of us have had, had if you look back to your raising at home... There was plenty of false gods in your house. Careers, work ethic. Mom, everything had, is all about appearances. Everything had to be perfect. He said, now you're meddling, preacher. No, I'm just saying we bring those things with us. We bring those things with us. And we begin to... His, we live by them far more than we live by the word of God. We live by what mom and dad taught us. Our grandma, or grandpa, or wherever that we might have been raised. The gods of our fathers, the gods of our past, Egypt. I've been reading the, 
I'm going through the Bible again, and I've been reading. So I've got through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Job, and in Numbers now. And something I discovered that I've never seen before. That when God led his people out to be his people from Abraham on, every time I didn't see it. When they went out, though they were called out, though God was with them, though God was giving them direction and all this, they carried their gods with them. And Jacob, later on, Jacob, after he's had an encounter with Christ, or what I believe to be Christ, after he had had an encounter with God, and the latter, all this, he says to his family, okay, well, and to Esau, he says to his family, Bring all your gods. Did you hear that? Bring all your gods and, and bring them here so that we're going to only worship God. And he, and, he, listen, and he buried them under a tree just in case we needed them. And when he leads them out of the Egyptian bondage, what was the first thing they decided who would really lead them into the promised land and they made a golden calf. Guess who that was? It was the God of Egypt. And all through this, they're carrying their gods with them as they're proclaiming that God is their God. They're the just-in-case gods. You have them. You've prayed and prayed and prayed. God hadn't come through yet. So just in case, I'll do it on my own. Or I'll trust my investments. Or I will trust what I've... Learned in the past. Instead of letting God do what he wants to do, I'll do it my way. The gods of your present culture. They were in the land. They were to drive out. They've been told don't have anything to do with them. Don't make any covenants with them. But you see, these were gods that were at hand. They were visible. And they didn't seem that bad. I mean, everybody else was doing it. And it might make you feel good. The gods of their culture. Isn't it amazing? Gods of our fathers, the gods of our past, the gods of our culture. And all the while, there's the God who's redeemed us, delivered us, and is providing at the present tense time for us, and we put him to the side. Oh, we'll put him at the first of the list, but really we live by the list. It's like Joshua is saying, guys, you're going to have to pick a worldview and allow it to remake you. You're bringing all of this other stuff into what God is not going to allow. And let me tell you, when you bring those, you bring their demons. Just saying. What I'm here to tell you this morning is many of these things are good things, but because they become ultimate things, you don't realize who you choose to worship and serve molds you into the person you will be. Anything you set your heart on other than God will ultimately betray you, deceive you, enslave you, disappoint you, and destroy you. But there's another choice. You have responsibility. You have the ability to respond. Even in the midst of all of this other. You have the ability. 
to respond. Choose for yourselves this day, Joshua says, who you will serve. And then we hear the proclamation. Joshua says, but as for me, you want to say it with me? Me and my house, we will Yeah. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's a personal choice. It's a present tense choice. The tense involves a continuous action. That is, it involves the past, but it also involves the present and future. It's as if Joshua is saying, I have chosen to serve the Lord all the time in my past. I am choosing the same path of service now, and I will go on choosing to serve God until the very end. In other words, to Joshua, serving the Lord was a settled daily choice. And I know you, you know preachers well enough, you know, well, preacher, you're just going to tell us to choose this day who you're going to serve and not me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you hear that call? I'm disappointed if you don't. And we all think, listen, we all think we're ready to confess with Joshua. That's for me and my house. But maybe we need to read just on a bit. In verse 16 of Joshua 24, So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And then the last part of verse 18, he says, We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. I mean, they're up and ready. No, far be it from us to serve any other God but God. We will serve the Lord. Look at verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is holy. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. In other words, Joshua is saying to the people, don't just spout off something you haven't considered. It's easy to mouth the words, but God is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He's saying that God's not, he's not saying that God is capricious or demanding. He's saying that God is holy, altogether other. He's set apart. He's not like these false gods. He's to be feared, reverenced, not to be trifled with. Well, why am I saying all of this? You see, probably as they were sitting there saying this to Joshua, they probably still had a false god in their house that they didn't build. They probably were still trusting in the sun and the moon and the gods of their crops that they didn't plant. And maybe right then in their pocket, as they were saying it, there was the false god that they were going to take home with them. All the time saying, far be it from us. The goal here is not to get the words right. You see, God's a jealous God. They were about to profess something without considering that God was serious. God's jealousy is not like human jealousy. It's not all about frustration or envy or spite. It's a zeal. That God has. His jealousy is a zeal for that which is most precious to him, which was his people. He had a purpose and a plan, and he had brought them forth. They were to be his people that would show forth to the nations the glory of the God who had chosen them. And they were playing 
the harlot. With the gods of the lands, with the gods of the past, with the gods of the present, the gods of their culture. God is wanting to supremely save that which is precious to him. And he's jealous over it. And I want to say something to you and I want you to hear me. Because I don't think I've ever said it before. Your relationship with God is a monogamous relationship. You know what monogamous monogamous means? What does it mean? Only him. My wife and I have a monogamous relationship. Only her. Only him. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is a monogamous relationship. And if you don't get that straight, let me tell you what, you'll be dating and playing with all the other kinds of things of this world. There's a pattern the world wants to put you into, mold you into what they want you to be. God's demands, His jealousy is His active covenant love for His own people. And it demands our unqualified love and loyalty. His demands of loyalty from those whom He has loved and redeemed is not a fickle affection or a temperamental or aimless thing. It's the expression of a sovereign purpose. The goal of this covenant loving, the covenant love of God is that He should have a people on earth as long as history lasts. And after that should have all of his faithful ones of every age with him in glory. And I'm going to say this. I'm sitting in worship and God just put it on my heart. I believe that we in America are on the verge. If the church doesn't choose again, God only. If we don't choose and make the right choices, all the other choices are going to be false. We have got to put God back on the throne of our lives and on the, as the head of the church and then be absolutely response, responding to Him for His glory and for His purpose. There's no other God but the God who created you, redeemed you, and gave His life and love to you. He knows what it's going to take to really satisfy you. Free you up and fulfill you. He loves you with a righteous jealousy. He alone has redeemed you and set you apart to be a person who shows forth the glory of his name. I want to close with with a definition of a word. You knew I couldn't stand it without that. I'm teaching pastor. The word serve. Some of your translations may say worship. The word serve in Hebrew is avad, avad. And it means to cultivate, to till, to work, to worship. And isn't that funny? Put those things, cultivate, till, worship. The idea was to participate. You see, before the fall, the word carried the idea of participating in the activity of joyful liberation with God. To participate in joyful liberation with God. You know, God put that garden and he didn't make all the plants yet because there was no one there to till them. And then he created Adam. And he put Adam there that he might tend, that he might till 
and cultivate. Then listen to me. God never intended to Adam to come up with his own ideas and how he was going to do it. It was the joyful liberation that Adam participated with God to literally give purpose and design to creation. To bring glory to God. But you know, after the fall, the very same word, the very same word, avad, became to be defined as bondage. Toilsome labor, slavery, worship. Before the fall, it was participation with God. After the fall, it was toilsome labor. Let me tell you something. Every false God you have in your pocket, you're serving them a slave. You're in bondage to it. You don't believe that? Just let your investments go down. Let the interest rates go down or go up, whichever it is. I don't know. What causes you pain usually is what you're serving. Things you stress out about. Things you're worried about. Let me just give you good news. You have an ability to respond to God today that can change everything. Jesus Christ gave His life a ransom for all our sin. His resurrection gives you the ability to respond and choose and God literally reverses the curse that God by His resurrection reversed the curse and now you can participate with God in the joyful liberation of what God has intended in His kingdom today. But you've got to choose it. God gives you opportunity to participate with Him with what He's going to be doing in this kingdom. He wants you to show forth His glory. He wants you to walk. Pastor Chris said it in the, in the, the, the Great Commission. The word go therefore is as you're going, make disciples. Why? It's the participation in the joyful liberation of, gener of generations so that they can bring glory to God and live into what God intended for them. But you've got to choose. Well, preacher, what about all these other things? What about food and clothes and that uh, it's not going to be on the screen, so let me just show Matthew chapter 6. God said, Jesus says this. He said, uh, it goes literally, if you want to see it, go from chapter, uh, verse 25 of chapter 6 down through 33. But I'm going to read just 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things all the Gentiles seek. In other words, the nations, the world is seeking. They're worried about these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now listen to verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God's not going to withhold one thing from you when you put him the one thing. Listen to me. God doesn't want much. He doesn't want much from you. Just everything. Let me ask you a question. What do you have apart from him? Then you have nothing to offer him. And he has everything to offer you. 
Choose him. Choose him. Put him the first thought. All of a sudden, I saw this as I was, even this morning, it changed Matthew 11, 28. We quote it all the time. Come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden. But now replace that labor and heavy laden as slavery. Come unto me, all you who are a slave to your gods. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God is inviting us this morning, I believe with all of my heart. I believe he's inviting the church of America. I believe he's inviting the church of our world. He's inviting us to choose again, a daily choice, to choose again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will worship Him and Him only. We'll tell every false god to take a back seat, get kicked out, go to where, go report to the feet of Jesus who conquered them all, and receive the, everything God has for you. This morning, you have the ability. I'm going to invite the altar team to come. You have the ability to respond. You're free. You're free to choose it. But the big danger is you're free not to. If you don't like, here's the thing. If you don't like where your choices have gotten you in life, you've got another choice. If you feel bound up and, and fearful and worried and stressed out, you've got another choice. Choose life. Choose to love the Lord. Choose Jesus. Choose Him first and always. And then all these other things will be added to you. You won't miss out on putting Him first. You won't miss out on anything by putting Him first and Him only. Stand with me. I would apologize for the link, but I think it's too important of a choice. I'm going to invite you to respond. The ministry team's here, but I want you to take the seriousness of it. I am not asking you to make a confession and you take it flippantly. Hear me, please. I would never try to manipulate or to get you to do anything you're not that you saw no benefit in. But you couldn't, because of social standing or reputation, you felt like you had to do. No, you've got to do this personally. Choose you this day. And let me tell you something, it's a daily thing. It's not a choice you're going to make today and then think, well, I did it. No, it's a choice you're going to have to make in the morning when you wake up. It's a choice you're going to make when you go to work and you get frustrated. It's a choice you're going to have to make tomorrow night when you go to bed. Say, God... Where am I? Who am I depending on? It's a choice. You have the ability to respond to Jesus Christ. The devil can't keep you from it. It's yours. Choose you this day who you'll worship give your love and affection and trust to and all these other things 
will come into place for you. So the invitation is very simple. It's personal. It's your choice. I'll tell you what, Connie, I know it's your choice too, so come on down here. As for me and my house, we're going to serve him and him only. And my children and my grandchildren, as for me and my house, what's going to be for your house? Evan's going to lead us, and we invite you to respond. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless you.
Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11 in the message translations is my prayer. My choice is you, God, first and only. And now I find that I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and a yard. Then you made me your heir. The wise counsel God gives when I'm awake is confirmed by my sleeping heart. Day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going and I'm not letting it go. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. I'm firmly formed. You cancel my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Now you've got my feet on the life of path, the life path, all radiant from the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. I'm on the right way. You choose God, you're on the right way. Father, we bless you and thank you, and we give you our choice. Now mold us, make us, and may we make every choice by that choice. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. The ministry team's available if you need them. May God bless you this week.